Hello friends, there we go, I was just adjusting my audio setting, welcome back, another podcast, uh, this podcast is brought to you by my parents' home, they have provided the uh, venue, they have provided the food, so shout out to them, I'm in London, Ontario, my hometown, for this podcast we will go through some hot topics no we won't we'll just be going through what is on my mind recently and then uh, we might have some clips from a podcast gone by (laughs) Uh, all right so uh, sonograms I think what I'm talking about sonograms I don't know what the difference is between a sonogram and an ultrasound so if someone can correct me on this please help me out I think, okay, let me, I think an ultrasound is they put the jelly on the belly, they rub it around, somehow it produces a picture. The picture you receive is then the sonogram. That's how I understand it. So, my issue here, and people can do what they want, this is just my opinion, is the sonograms are getting out of control. I don't even think this is a hot take. I'm sure many comedians have done this kind of bit or premise. But the sonograms, it was better when they looked like an Etch-A-Sketch and you kind of had to, it was like a Rorschach, what you call it, Rorschach test to imagine what your baby looked like in there. Like, oh, I kind of see a foot. Oh, that might be a boy, might be a girl, we'll be surprised. When it was like that, that was cool. When it was like, when the image on your sonogram was like, when they see the Virgin Mary or Jesus Christ in a, in a piece of toast, that was better. Now that the sonograms are 3D, that's too much. And in particular, what made me think about, in particular, my issue is everyone considered it hack or really weird when the woke lefties were um, saying that And I don't say woke lefty as a derogatory, by the way, because some of my views might be considered woke lefty. But when um, the people were saying you should get consent to change your own baby's diaper, everyone was like, that's kind of wild. You're talking a little crazy. And I think that is a little crazy. You don't need consent to change your baby's diaper. You're the adult in this situation. Your child doesn't know what they're doing. But in that similar vein of logic I don't know if it's necessarily I'll just say I wouldn't do it I would not if I had a kid put their sonogram photos online is it does that am I the only one that finds that strange I've seen it a few times where people put the sonogram photos of their kid when their face is not even fully developed and they look kind of like a sweet potato Sorry. That's exactly what they look like. They they aren't they haven't fully formed facial features. They're barely uh, they're barely a human yet, and you're already like paparazzi in there, and then you're sending that image out to your hundred followers of your not yet born child. I have some pictures that my parents have of myself that I'm like a little embarrassed of. 
Imagine your kid 12 years old stumbles by their sonogram photo and be like, oh my God, that's me? I look so unfinished. <laughs> but yet that's already published to like a million people before. You've already shown your child to the world before they even have formed a personality. I just think that I wouldn't do that, you know? Ask your child first before you post their sonogram photos online. I know my sister for the longest time didn't even post, and a lot of people don't post uh, uh, photos of their children on social media and stuff like that. And uh, I think that's wise. But then again, I'm not a parent. So you do you, boo-boo, whatever works for you, you know? But for me personally, I think it's kind of wild that people are have sonogram photos of their kids on the gram, on Instagram. It's going to be so embarrassing when they get older because kids get their, you know, there's always those kids, uh, those pictures of your yourself like in the tub, you know, you're in the tub naked with your brother or your sister and you're looking at the camera or something and then it's like, oh, oh look how cute they, they were playing in the tub when they're younger. And kids are always embarrassed by that. Imagine them being embarrassed by their sonogram photos. One of the things I was, I'm doing here, or I, was, I told myself I was going to do while I am at my parents' place, is to get some recipes and learn how to cook. Yeah, that's basically how I put it. Get some recipes, learn how to cook while I'm here and then when I'm back in Montreal I can you know implement those recipes in particular there's a specific African dish that my mom makes as my favorite African meal so I was one I was I wanted to learn how to cook it myself so that I can do it and uh, man trying to learn African recipes whoo like I, I can't. First of all, this, it, it, to me, I thought it was a simple dish. It's like, it's called Chaka Madesu or Pondu Madesu. And it's just like, uh, I guess, dried cassava. I don't know what it is. It's like some leafy green with beans. That's what I thought it was. Some leafy green with beans. Um, and then you put, you top it, um, you put it on rice. And it tastes delicious. And uh, I thought it was just simple as that. But a lot of African cooking takes like hours. There's stuff you have to do the night before. And this is one of those things that takes quite a bit. There's a lot of ingredients, a lot of oils, and a lot of random things that I didn't think was a part of it. So that was a little discouraging. But then my mom does a more simplified version of it. And even that, the thing that's hard with African recipes is like no one knows how much of whatever you're supposed to put in there. I was like asking my mom, I was like, okay, so I uh, I cook the beans until they're kind of kind of soft, but not too soft. Uh, how long do I put them there? Is it medium heat? And she's like, oh no, you just watch it. No information. I'm like, okay, how much uh, of leaves do I put in there? And she's like, uh, you just kind of like look at the water and the water should be just a little bit above the cassava leaves. 
they have no form of measurement. They don't know how long things are supposed to be, how much of anything's supposed to go in there. You're supposed to feel it out. So it seems like the recipes are just like, eh, meh, figure it out, <laughs> which is all right. I think I'll figure it out. I got the, the big picture of how it's done. So that's something I'll work on when I get back, uh, get back to Montreal. But I've had a good time. I've had a good time this holidays with my family, get to see them again. Like I said, in numerous podcasts, they're my favorite people. Got to, well, this holidays had to be a little bit different because of the, the restrictions. So, so what we had to do was to separate into two different locations so that we didn't go over uh, the limit for private gatherings. Um, just a moment here. It looks like I'm having some audio, not audio issues, but some video issues. So just give me a moment here. And we're back. So yeah, we had to do it in separate locations. Some of us, well, it was basically my parent, my, uh, my dad and the grandchildren in one location and then the rest of us in another location, but it was fun. And then we had some of my relatives, my relatives in Ottawa, uh, also, uh, connected via zoom to open presents and that sort of thing. So I got good presents. I'm happy with what I got a lot of nice swag, but, uh, my dad was really thankful about being able to spend, uh, the holidays with his family and he wrote a nice email and, uh, I guess my dad thinks he's the comedian in the family now. He had some jokes in there. One thing that he said in this email was uh, something along the lines of, it was such a great uh, privilege to be able to raise my girls. And uh, Randy was great too, even though he was more attached to his mom. <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's true, I guess. <laughs> so uh, I found that funny. But... Uh, yeah, we have a great time. Uh, my mom, my dad, and my sisters, and my brother-in-law. We played Scrabble. We're very competitive at Scrabble. And I've said this millions of times. My dad is so good at Scrabble. Crazy good at Scrabble. And I mean crazy good in the sense of English is not even his first language. But he can destroy you in the game of Scrabble. Because of the strategies of he knows exactly how to do the hook word. So like... Could, could make a word attached to your word to get points, to reach the double letter scores, to re reach the triple word scores. So he's really good at it. So we had fun playing that. Had a, had a good time. Uh, okay. I'll do just a few more and then now we will have our greatest hits at the end. You know? This is... Uh, I don't think anything I say is necessarily a hot take, but... It's very common for people to say chivalry is dead. And I think that's correct, that chivalry is dead. And, and it's mostly women who talk about this. But I think that works in men's favor so much more. Because chivalry, chivalry and all that, like, gentlemanness, when I really look at it, the underlying thing was, like, men were expected to die for the community. Specifically for, for women. Uh, yeah, specifically, yeah, for women and children, 
specifically for their their spouse and children like if you break down most of the chivalrous attitudes it was like you know walk on the certain side of the road because if there's any like a car or any weird thing that happens you're the one who will die or have the opportunity to protect your woman first it was all like centered around you're gonna lay your life down for women or children now we're off the hook <laughs> we don't gotta do that now it's like the bare minimum it's just like uh, respond to text pull out the chair those sort of things i can handle that so i'm happy that uh chivalry is dead it makes it a lot easier for me because to be honest for uh i'm not gonna lay down my life for most people <laughs> oh goodness but uh, yeah, so I think it actually works. I think a lot of, I don't know necessarily what it is, uh, women, you could explain to me what you guys are facing out there in terms of uh, how men are treating you, but it does sound like the bare minimum. What are some of uh, ladies, your complaints? I guess there's a lot of that via social media of things that you don't like, but most of it is not anything. I don't think you're asking for anything too, uh, too drastic. But it's, uh, it's much easier for guys, I think. That's just my personal opinion. I'm curious, too, as to... Um, this is on a completely other topic, but... With... With the food stuff... I have some... I have some... always have some opinions with food. But... White people... Why don't you guys... Like... Have you guys not heard of plantains? Because they know, like, South Americans and us Africans, we love plantains. And it's a delicious, simple snack. It is so good. And at first I was like, well, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't grow in North America or Europe. So they probably haven't heard of it and haven't integrated it into their diets. But bananas don't grow in North America or Europe either. Unless maybe bananas grow in the South of the U.S., I'm not sure. But you guys, you know, you guys like bananas and pineapples. Have you guys not heard of plantains yet? Because plantains are delicious. They're so good. And basically all you have to do is chop them up and you got to fry them with a lot of oil. And it's like a, it's a super good snack. So I just wanted you guys to get in on that. Because the rest of the world is enjoying plantains. I think it might just be because they look like bananas but they are not like a snack that you can eat on the go. It actually needs to be prepared. Plantain chips are, are becoming popular. But I feel like in a couple of years, I'll have a renaissance, kind of like avocado. There's that year when like avocado had a really good year. Everything was guacamole. Put some guac on that. 2021 will be the year of the plantains. You guys will hear about it. I'm the first one making it known right now, but plantains are the truth. Just fry them up. And uh, in terms of fruit salads, uh, don't put any honeydew in a fruit salad. What's it doing in a fruit salad? It is uh, useless. Fruit salads should just be like the, the good fruits. I usually have my fruit salads on top of, uh, on top of yogurt, plain yogurt. I'm into that. I, uh, in my fruit salad, I, I put grapes. I put grapes in there. I put pineapples. Uh, what else needs to be in there? 
grapes, pineapples. Uh, we had a huge discussion on what goes in a fruit, like a fruit salad. Sometimes people put kiwis. I really just don't think any melon. I don't think I'd put any me melon. I might put cantaloupe just to, just to balance the, the flavors on there. Oh, this reminds me. But anyways, let me just finish the fruit salad thing. So there's a few things that I would never allow you to put on the fruit salad. And uh, I guess the main one would be honeydew. Uh, I, I was talking to my brother-in-law. I think it was my brother-in-law or maybe it was my one of my sisters. But they mentioned putting grapefruit in the fruit salad. I'm like, why? Because grapefruit is the worst fruit. I can't think of a fruit worse than grapefruit. Grapefruit, the thing that makes it so bad is, first of all, it doesn't taste good. But the problem is it's uh, citrus, you know? And your citrus already has a good reputation of being delicious. So it looks like it's going to be good, but then it tastes disgusting. Grapefruit is the definition of a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's masquerading as an orange or even a lemon. Lemon is, has its sour but it has redeemable qualities i remember when i was in my uh my training program uh christian leadership training program they used to offer that for our breakfasts for our breakfasts for breakfast grapefruit people would get like half a half a grapefruit and i would look at them and be like what are you doing with your life gotta make better decisions than that and they'd be like no grapefruit is great you can put some put some honey on it and, and i'm like no if you're telling me something is good while you're at the same time telling me what you have to do to make it taste good, then it's not really that good. It's not that great. It should be able to stand alone, you know? So I don't mess with grapefruit. I've learned that principle. Like if something is, something is good, you shouldn't have to do anything to it, I think, to convince yourself it's good. You know what I mean? I learned that from watching a comedian have a very, it was a very funny bit. I remember his name, Graham, uh, Graham Kay. At the time he was living in Toronto. Last I heard he was writing for uh, Colbert. I don't know if he's still writing for Colbert. Very funny comic, Graham Kay. And he had a bit about, I guess when he lived in Vancouver. And people would always say, oh, because there's like a rivalry in Canada, I guess, between Toronto and Vancouver, which is a better, better city. And people in Vancouver would be like, oh, Vancouver is so great. Such a great city. You know, you can just drive for half an hour or so and you got the beach. You got the Pacific Ocean. And then at the same same time, you can drive maybe a half an hour or so and you have the Rocky Mountains all there. And then Graham K was just like, well, I don't think your city is that great if everything good about your city is driving half an hour outside of your city. And then I just applied that logic to a lot of things. Like if your thing or whatever you're saying is so good, then you shouldn't have to like tell me or explain to me how to make it good. I don't know what I'm talking about. But you've probably already realized that if you've uh, been listening to the podcast, if you're listening, you know that I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, it's been real. And uh, at this time, please uh, buckle in your seatbelts. Is that what people say? Buckle in, settle in. 
we're going to be listening to some clips from uh, a podcast gone by. Thank you for listening. Eating is such a primal uh, physical thing. I still kind of see it as like chewing and digesting and the actual mechanisms of saliva and all the like nitty gritties of it where I'm just like, this is really personal. I'm nourishing myself right now. I'm digesting food. You don't need to be here for this. <laughs> you know, it is, uh, this is just pre, it's, I don't know, I'm not going to go down that route, but it's such a, a very personal and intimate thing. But I guess maybe that's why people also like to do that with one another, to be intimate with each other. You know, but maybe I just need to learn to loosen up and be uh, vulnerable and intimate with others. You see, there you go. I'm trying to make this more positive. But uh, yeah, I know. Just eating with other people, man. It's like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow uh, at 12 o'clock? Would you like to nourish yourself with me? Pre-digest food? We will put food in our mouth and chew it and allow it to be broken down so that we swallow it and it gets turned into energy. Would you like to do that with me? <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, what's the word? What's happening to my vocabulary? I'm a special cookie. Is that what I'm trying to get at? I got a little workout in, read my Bible, specifically a few chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. Good stuff. Good way to start the day. But before I start work, I start work in, uh, in I guess, 38 minutes. I start at 9 a.m. I was going to go out, maybe go for a walk around the neighborhood. It's a little bit warm in my apartment. I haven't turned on the air conditioner yet. I'll do that later. But I was going to go for a walk. And uh, right now I'm in my shorts. That's all that I am, I'm in. Just my gym shorts. Not to paint a picture for you ladies. But yeah, I'm just in my shorts. And I was going to uh, go for a walk. And as a man, I was going to... I always struggle with this. Because I was like, oh, I'm just going to go downstairs, go for a walk. And I didn't want to put on a t-shirt. I was contemplating going outside topless, which legally is something that is available to a man. It's part of this great package that you get in what is called male privilege. The opportunity to go outside topless and feel refreshed. Whereas I think... In most parts of North America, I don't think that's legally available for women, which I understand. I'm not Puritan. I understand why some people are uncomfortable with that. I, just so you know, am a full supporter of uh, topless women. It's just, it's people's bodies, but, you know, you have to also understand the culture that you're in for some reason or other, the cultures that we have in North America are puritanical based and uh, still have some Victorian elements left in there. Whereas if we were in Africa, in most parts of Africa, 
most parts of a lot of different places in the world, a uh, topless woman is not as uh, objectified, it's just another thing. But I personally, even as a man, don't even really feel comfortable going outside topless. I was going to do it. I was thinking about doing it. And then it just felt icky, you know? Just seeing, having people see my body like that. I don't know why it is, but it's just something that I've always been uncomfortable about. I don't like people touching my body. I don't like people really seeing it. I could, I could be a nun very easily if I was a woman. I think that would be a great deal. You know, just being able to be covered up like that. But uh, yeah, and, and it's not like I have a body that I think is gross. It's just the idea of people looking at me is a little uncomfortable. And with the, the privilege that men have to go around topless, you also see that it's, it's really not a large section of the population who take up this opportunity. The people I see walking or exercising without a shirt on fall into two categories. People who are very good looking and have great bodies and they know it. So they're very confident just going out there, going for a run, exercising with their magnificent pecs on full display, their great abs, that sort of thing. That's category number one. And then there's people who just look disgusting. They objectively look gross, but they're like the male Lizzo's where they just have this level of confidence where it's, hey, I don't care. I have a really hairy chest and I look like I'm in my third trimester, but you're going to have to deal with it. This is my body. I love it. I'm comfortable in it. If you don't love it, well, that's your problem. I just, it's not about you. It's about me going out for a walk and not wanting to put on a shirt. And I'm taking this opportunity to do so because it's like 30 degrees outside. And I don't know how you get to that level of confidence. I don't know if that's like a delusion or if that's like healthy on their part. For the recipient, for the people watching, it's, just, it's not healthy. I don't know. Because I'm thinking of the last time I saw that happen. I'm in Montreal and Montreal, I think, is a, a city where people care about fashion, aesthetics and how they look. So I haven't seen a lot of category two of men who don't look good, who are going around topless. I've seen a lot of category one of the ones that do look good. But uh, yeah, it's pretty disturbing when you see category two. And is that shallow of me to say? Is that problematic? Well, that's, um, that's all for this episode. So thank you for listening. And if you like what you are listening to, please tell your friends How Randy Feels Podcast at How Randy Feels Podcast on Instagram, excuse me, and uh, YouTube clips under my name, Randy Comey, on YouTube. And uh, that's really what we're up to. I guess, well, the other, well, I don't know. This is weird, but. Uh, Apparently, I suffer from something called gustatory sweating. You can look it up on Google. 
but essentially what it is, what it is, is when I think of lemonade, I start to sweat. <laughs> when, I, when I drink lemonade or when I think about lemonade, I start to sweat. Like even right now, there's just a, a slight little puddle forming on the top of my head. And uh, did I talk, already talked about this in a podcast? Sorry, I forget what I talked about in the podcast. I think I talked about this. But my parents, my, uh, my sisters were shocked about this. They were like, what the heck is it? But yeah, I uh, sweat when I think about lemonade. I think that's the only, it might be citrus in general that makes me sweat. I guess what I found out is that uh, there's a variety of reasons that happens but it often happens when people have uh, experienced some head trauma or something like that i think is the main one or people with diabetes but uh what what it is essentially is a misconnection or a misfiring in your senses so i like lemonade and instead of my mouth starting to make saliva and salivate because of how much I like it. It like sometimes gets like misfired or something. And instead of triggering the salivatory glands or whatever, it, uh, it makes me sweat. Isn't that a wonderful way to end the episode? And what a wonderful way to end 2020. My birthday is coming up. Today is the 28th. Let's look. Uh, yeah. 28th, so it's Monday. I will be, ladies and gentlemen, turning 29. So next year I'll be 29. My birthday is December 31st. It's on Thursday. So the next time I speak to you, I will be a 29-year-old man. Think about that. Anyways, enjoy the rest of your year. God bless you.